Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. I'm delighted to be joined by another three great guests from the world of amateur darts this week. The Cheshire Open champion Stu Wilson joins the show, as does the Appleton Open winner Veronica Ehash, joined by translator Aniko Harsanyi. Before I get into this week's guests, I wanted to delve into the World Darts Federation's announcement last Friday, which provided a lot more details on the World Masters this coming December. They announced a a new silver-graded Open called the World Open, which will take place throughout the weekend. The youth events of the boys and girls, they will be on the Friday, the men's will be on the Saturday and the women's on the Sunday. Registration for that opens on the 1st of September and it will be the last sort of open competition before the cut-off for the World Championship at the end of the World Masters. It was an event that Jacques Newlat mentioned to me a couple of months ago and in my view it's a great addition to the weekend. Ensuring that the international qualifiers, particularly those from further afield, you know, those from America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand... Ensuring that they get value for the the expense they've gone to for travelling was something that Richard Ashdown, Nick Rolls, the whole WDF team were very keen to ensure moving forward. And this realises that it gives them another competition to play and it gives them an opportunity to play against players from across the world, the opportunity to, to win something and ensure that their weekend doesn't maybe end on the Thursday, that it keeps going through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It also gives me the chance to play some darts during the weekend. Uh, And when I say play, I'd like to say congratulations now to whoever draws me uh, on the bye they're going to get in the opening round of the World Open. The other thing covered in the statement from the WDF was kind of firming up the arrangements for the World Masters itself. So the main tournament will begin on the Thursday with a round robin. And then the top two players from each round robin group will start in the knockouts on Friday and then further information on the final stages on the Saturday and Sunday are going to be provided at a later date. Ranking cutoffs for the World Masters begin in October of this year, and full details of when those cutoffs kick in are available on the World Darts Federation website. The end of the, the World Masters weekender, which is actually going to be a five day event, comes on the Monday. So the World Masters finals will be on the the Sunday, but then on the Monday, the weekend ends with the World Championship qualifiers, much like they used to under the BDO. There will be four spots for men and two spots for women available in those qualifiers. And again, it was good to see all this information confirmed. Players need clarification. And it's good to see as well that bookings for rooms at, you know, De Bontaweva in Assen opens on September the 1st as well so players can start firming up those arrangements and all we can do now as fans players whatever all we can do now is hope that fingers crossed the Covid restrictions ease in the Netherlands they ease across the world and that you know by the time we get to December everything can run smoothly and it can be the best event possible. Moving on to the guests this week the first guest is Preston Stu Wilson. Stu had the biggest weekend of his darting career in late July, he won the Mad England Falcons belt on the Friday night. And, you know, by this, he's the first Mad belt holder to appear on the show. And then a couple of days later, he won the prestigious Cheshire Open in Crewe, thanks to a string of impressive wins. I caught up with Stu at the end of last week to discuss those big wins and what his goals now are for the rest of this year and beyond. 
I'm now delighted to be joined by Preston Stu Wilson. How are you, Stu? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you very much. You've had a hugely successful weekend just gone. You won the Mad England Falcons title and you also won the Cheshire Open as well. So where does last weekend rank among the highlights of your darts career? Um, I think it's pretty safe to say it's uh, right up there as the pinnacle, to be honest with you. Um, my only previous uh, real wins were uh, local comps and things like that. So to have uh, Pip Scott Taylor for the title and then to win the Cheshire Open, it really did put the cherry on top of the cake. I know you played a lot of online stuff last year, like a lot of us have, but did your performances last weekend surprise you? At the risk of sounding big-headed, no, they didn't, to be honest, because uh, I've just improved steadily year upon year, and, and just I find myself just at the 85 to 90 mark pretty much all the time now. Um, so it didn't really surprise me. So let's talk about that mad title first. When did you actually first find out that you would be challenging for the, the Falcons belt? So uh, Alan Hodgson, the Super Regional Director for the Falcons area, he put on a qualifying night over in Swinton. Um, so I, I paid my 20 quid and uh, went along and played in that and uh, managed to come up 6-5 against Rob Rickwood in the final, which was uh, a nice little treat, to be fair. Did that kind of change your preparation in a way? Because you were going into a night where it was one game against one specific opponent rather than you're preparing to play in a tournament which could last all day. Yeah, yeah, there, there is an element of a difference. Of course there is. Um, but fortunately, I, I know Scott very well. And as you mentioned, the online darts and uh, me and Scott did have quite a few tussles just where we, we hooked up and just played against each other. So... I did have quite a bit of experience against Scott, so that sort of stood me in a bit of a good stead as opposed to uh, playing against an unknown, if you will. And I know you're a, you're a proud Lancastrian, so Manchester's not a million miles away, so did you manage to get some supporters down there to, to cheer you on? Oh, yeah, for sure. My uh, my wife, Joanne, my daughter, Sophie, my son, Sam, my mum, my dad, um, a couple of friends came as well. So we had uh, a nice stretch of table along the centre and uh, they were all placed very handily just behind the board. So they were there to give me some good moral support. You were the third game on last Friday night. So did you take the opportunity to, to watch the first two games? Um, I came in and out of the first two games, to be honest, just in between practice sessions. Uh, I just wanted to keep my arm going, really, as opposed to worry about what anyone else was doing. I thought I could maybe play my game and then uh, relax afterwards enjoy, and enjoy the other games that were on. Scott went up 4-1 against you. What led, do you think, to the, the turnaround for you that led you to, to go on and win the whole game? Uh, I think it was the, the fifth leg where Scott went 4-1 up. He actually hit back to about 180s. Uh, so he was six darts into the nine and... Uh, if he fluffed this his seventh dart and the, the crowd like gave the cheering like they do in the PDC and Scott saw the funny side of that but I think that relaxed him to uh, to think he, he could just canter on and, and beat me quite comfortably which to be fair it looked like he was going to um, I knew there was a break impending after the seventh leg and fortunately I managed to scramble back to a 4-3 deficit at the interval 
And when that winning double went in, the look on your face was kind of like you were trying to take in the, the moment and just kind of appreciate it. When you had had a bit of time later on that night, how did you kind of reflect on the whole experience? Well, it was uh, it was more... I couldn't quite fathom or believe what I'd achieved at that moment. Um, I, b- before Sunday, that certainly was the, the biggest achievement of of my darting career, if you will. To pick that up was, it was, I was in, I was in shock, basically. I still am, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw the picture of you, you know, the, the picture of you at work with the belt on the table and the, the Cheshire Open trophy on the table as well, and you did look proud as punch with them both. Oh, very happy, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame I have to go back to work and do things like that, but it's, it's a nice balance and brings you back down to earth quite quickly, to be fair. <laughs> So do you have any idea at the moment when your first defence of that title is going to be? I do, actually. A message off Alan Hodgson the other day telling me it's going to be on October the 15th over in Humberside. So I don't know the opponent yet. That's not been sorted, but I do know the date is October the 15th. Now, the, the mad belts are obviously inspired by boxing, MMA, wrestling. And a whole part of that show is, is having a nickname. So do you have a nickname that you're going to use? <laughs> do you know what? I actually don't. When I, when I first started playing and we were, we were messing around around Preston and things like that, you, you try and emulate the fellas off the telly and people with big nicknames. And uh, I went with Oki, actually. I was in Oki Wilson, a bit like the late jockey. So... Um, it, it hasn't particularly stuck, but that's the only only one I've ever really had. And I also maybe thought about the water boy as I work in, in the water industry. thought maybe that could work, but I don't know. Well, I'm sure you've got time to, to work something out before October. <laughs> so on the, on the Sunday, you went over to, to Crewe to play in the Cheshire Open, which is a, you know, it's not, you know, ranked by you know, the WDF or, you know, MAD or anybody like that, but it's a hugely significant one on the circuit. Talk me through your route through the tournament. Well, um, I've had, a, I've had uh, easier days, that's for certain. I had a, a county player called Neil Gerrard in the first round, uh, managed to overcome him 5-2, and then I played uh, former World Youth Champion in Joshua Richardson in the second round. That was a game that could have gone... Either way, to all. Unfortunately for Josh, he missed a couple of doubles and I, I took advantage and went on to win 5-2. But certainly the fifth leg there started to make me think that it could be my day with, like, with elements of luck coming along. Then the last 16 was I played Kai Fan Long and I managed to overcome him 5-3 after being 3 all. So that, that was a nice little flip for my day. And then the quarterfinals uh, played David Evans, another tour card holder, managed to come up on top again 5-3. And then it was uh, up onto the stage for the semifinals, walk-ons and all that. And uh, I played Joe Mernon, another tour card fella. And uh, I managed to nip past him 6-5. So then onto the final, I played fantastic talent as Louis Williams. I'm sure everyone's everyone knows who Louis is. What a, what an amazing young lad that is! And I was five three down in the final and managed to come back and win the last three legs to win six five. So that it absolutely blew my mind. That to be honest with you. 
to beat four tour card holders in a day is impressive, let alone to, to do it back to back to back to back. You know, two of them on stage and two of them last leg deciders. That must have done, you know, that feat in itself must have done wonders for your your motivation for, for the rest of the year, but also your confidence as well. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I, I was on, on cloud nine, as you say. But you know what darts is like. It can swiftly knock you when you're on the top. And uh, I did go to Wigan the night after to play in a, a local qualifier and got beat 4-0 in a semi-final. So, you know, it just goes to show it's not as easy as it looks, is it? <laughs> Obviously, you've got the, the defence lined up for October, but what else is on the agenda for you in terms of events for the rest of this year? Rest of the year, so the Challenge Tour is coming up uh, in the first weekend in, in August, so I'm going down to Milton Keynes for that. Um, the second lot of those will be in September, so I'm hoping that I have a good first few Challenge Tours and maybe uh, get a squeak of a shout of a surprise Pro Tour place if, if anyone drops out, if I'm high enough up the leaderboard. Well, I mean, you've had experience of that before, because 2020... Early in the year, you got to a quarter-final on the Challenge Tour, and then I think you were 26th on the order of merit, but you got the call to actually go and play on the Pro Tours. What was your reaction when you got the call from a PDC official? <laughs> well, um, on the, as I got the call on the Sunday, on the, on the Saturday, it was actually my auntie's 70th birthday, and uh, the family does like a good sing-song and a good drink. So we'd had a quite a heavy night on the Saturday and uh, I was laying in bed feeling quite sorry for myself and it's around half nine in the morning and Keith Bisbee's on the phone and says, uh, Hi Stu, uh, you all right to come over to Wigan for about 12 o'clock today? It's Burnley Proto. I'm like, is this a wind-up? Couldn't quite believe what I was hearing. So that, that was the uh, first bit. I got myself sharply ready and uh, heading off over there and... and to go into the room and see Michael Van Gerwen and playing on the board next to Peter I, it's just like, what is going on? I'm a, I'm a fan first and foremost, and I watch these guys on the TV all the time, and I was truly starstruck, I'll be honest with you. Well, I think it was, you know, three pro tours you got to play on on the end. You, you ended up losing in the first round of all, all three of those pro tours, but what did you take from those games with Luke Humphreys, Luke Woodhouse and, and Ralby John Rodriguez? first thing I took is I had uh, a higher average than two of the, than both the Luke's in, um, and I still got beat so I knew I had to do more than that uh, it's just the consistency of the guys they're phenomenal players aren't they and to, to find that level I know I need to go up a few notches and do that but I'm, I'm certainly heading towards it I'm not saying I'll never get there I'm not saying I will get there but I'll certainly try so you said that you know you're a fan of the sport first and foremost. When did you originally sort of start following it, and and how did you get into the playing side? I started following it. My first real, I used to watch it when I was younger with my dad with Jockey Wilson and Harry Bristow and Co. But the first real game that sticks in my mind was the 2004 World Final with Phil Taylor and Kevin Painter. And that inspired me to put a dartboard up at home and I eventually took it to work and it's been up, I've had a dartboard up there ever since and, and I've just gone from there really but that definitely was the turning point. That was the game where I thought, wow, this is amazing. So was, you know, was Phil Taylor the inspiration for you to 
really want to keep going and progressing. Well, yeah, you, you see what he achieved through the game and you're watching. And it's just, he, he achieved so much. Some people like wanted him to get beat. But I was quite the opposite. I was thinking I just wanted him to win more and more and more and just prove just how good he really was. And he truly was the best. So 2019, you went to Q School for the first time. Why Why did you go then? I got a little helping hand from a friend of mine, uh, Vinnie McBride, who runs a small computer firm around in Preston. And uh, he, he believed that I could do it. And he gave me half the money to go and play in Q School. So that was the, the nudge that did it for me. Um, to, go, to, to go there again... I didn't expect too much, to be honest with you. I just thought I'd give it a go and see see how it went. But I got I got, I got more of a bug from that, to be honest with you. And I think I played uh, a tough first round game against Chuck Puello from America, and it was, uh, I managed to beat him. And then I played Dave Pallet, and then he beat me in that game. But from that was the first day, and then the, the next three days, I managed to pick up a few points. And uh, I thought, yeah, do you know what? I can compete with this level of player, so let's have a do with the Challenge Tour. Yeah, absolutely. And as as we discussed already, that Challenge Tour last year certainly proved a a godsend for you for, for getting on the Pro Tour experience. So for you, you've spoken about wanting to take your game up a, a few notches. Ultimately, what are the goals for you in the sport? What do you want to achieve in dance? Well, I don't want to put a limit on anything. and um, I don't want to say I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, but... Obviously, I'm like everyone else. It'd be lovely to eventually appear on TV and and do that. That'd be a, that'd be a nice goal of mine to to actually appear on TV and play at some point. Well, awesome. I mean, the, the results you had last weekend certainly show your game's going in the right direction. So, I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year, and I really do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It was really lovely chatting with Stu. His four wins at the Cheshire Open over Kaifan Luang, David Evans, Joe Mernon and Louis Williams are seriously impressive. And based on that, I think he's very much going to be one to watch at the beginning of the UK Challenge Tour later this week. The second guest on this week's show, or should I say second and third guests on this week's show, are Hungary's Veronica Ihash and Iniko Hassani. Veronica won the Appertin Open in Serbia about 10 days ago. And that was the sixth successive time she's won that event. And it was her 18th WDF title in all. She is one of Eastern Europe's most impressive players. And when I reached out to her for an interview, she wasn't happy you know, with her English to, to be able to do it. But she wanted to come on the show. And, and that led to the international officer for the Hungarian Federation, Iniko, stepping in as the translator it's another first for the show. We've not done a, a translated interview before on the show, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And over the course of the chat, we managed to cover Veronica's recent win in Serbia, qualifying for the World Masters, dreaming of playing in a World Championship, how much the sport has grown in Hungary in recent years, and much, much more. I am now delighted to be joined by two people from the Hungarian darting scene, Veronica Iha and... Eniko Hassani, so hello to you both. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So the way this interview is going to work, Veronica doesn't speak 
too much English. So I will ask the questions and the international officer for the Hungarian Darts Federation, Eniko, will provide the translations as, as we go along. So first of all, Veronica, congratulations on winning the Appleton Open last weekend. That's the sixth time you've actually won that event now. So why do you think you've had so much success in Serbia? Szóval, Veronika, gratulálunk ahhoz, hogy megnyerted az Appleton Open-t a múlt hétvégén. Ez már a hatodik alkalom. Mit gondolsz, miért vagy ennyire sikeres Szerbiában? Üdvözlök mindenkit, nagyon szépen köszönöm a gratulációt. Hát nem tudom, hogy miért vagyok annyira sikeres Szerbiában. Nagyon jó játékosok vannak, jó színvonal, csak sajnos nagyon kevesen járnak el, mivel ez nem olyan rangos esemény még, de remélem ez a közeljövőben majd változni fog. Well, um, thank, uh, hi everybody, and thanks for the congratulations. Um, to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> there are good players, and uh, the level is also good, so the quality uh, of the tournament. Unfortunately, there are not too many uh, players yet. Uh, probably that's because um, it doesn't have a higher ranking, uh, I mean, this event. Hmm, But hopefully that will change. <laughs> Hopefully. That was actually, Veronica, your third title of the year because you won the Budapest Masters and the Budapest Classic back in March. So how strong do you feel your darts game is at the moment? Idén ez a harmadik címed, miután a Budapest Masters és a Budapest Klasszikot is megnyerted márciusban. Mennyire érzed erősnek a játékodat mostanában? Hát sajnos nem érzem magam nagyon felkészültnek. Nagyon sok verseny kiesett a Covid miatt, de hála az égnek, azért még így is sikerül versenyeket nyernem, és jól szerepelnem. Well, I don't really feel uh, super good um, these days, because there are lots of um, tournaments um, out and cancelled this year, uh, and therefore we didn't have the, the chance to um, play that much, as usually we do, uh, but still I could make those and uh, I'm very happy for that, so looking forward to the future. So winning the, the Appleton Open qualifies you, Veronica, for the World Masters later this year in the Netherlands. Are you looking forward, kind of based on what you've just said, are you looking forward to getting back to a big international competition after COVID-19? Azzal, hogy megnyerted az Apatin Open-t, kvalifikáltad magad az idei World Masters-re, ami Hollandiában lesz majd később az évben. Nagyon vers, mert egy ilyen nagy nemzetközi tornán való részvételre, így a vezetség és a Covid után? Nem tudtam, hogy Apatin Open is kvalifikációt ad. És nagyon meglepődtem, mikor megkeresett, és ezt, ezt a kérdést feltette nekem de nagyon várom, hogy végre nemzetközi porondom is egy ilyen nagy versenyen megmérettethessen magam. Well, I didn't know that um, the Appleton Open uh, is qualifying me for uh, for um, the World Masters, um, so you really surprised me with your question. Um, but of course, uh, naturally, I'm really excited to to go to a major tournament. So by winning that event, 
Veronica is now top of the Eastern European regional rankings with the World Darts Federation, which at the moment would mean that she would qualify for the Ladies World Championship at Lakeside next year. What would qualifying for a World Championship mean to you, Veronica? Jelenleg a kelet-európai, a védetnek a kelet-európai ranglistájának a női élén állsz, amelyel a, majd a jövő év elején rendezendő Lakeside World Championship-re is épp úgy néz ki, hogy kijutó helyen vagy, tehát ki fogsz tudni jutni. Mit jelentene neked, hogyha ez így is maradna? Hú, nemrég tudtam meg ezt az információt én is, és nagyon meglepődtem, mert ezt az évet felkészülésnek szántuk, mivel van egy kisfiam, és visszamentem dolgozni, és nem nagyon tudtam gyakorolni. Fordíthatod, ha gondolod. It was not so long ago when I just realized this, so I was surprised um, naturally, because uh, I was planning to have this year um, as a practice year uh, after I had my uh, son and I went back to work. Um, so, so yeah, um, it would be like good uh, practicing. Sure. Uh, de szerintem minden játékos életében a legfantasztikusabb érzés lehet kijutni a világbajnokságra és ott szerepelni. És nagyon izgulok és, és várom, és szeretnék ott játszani. I believe that every single player uh, would say that this is a fantastic feeling uh, to be part of a world championship and play there. So I'm very excited. I'm really looking forward to it, and um, I can't wait to go. When did your interest in darts first begin, Veronica? Hogyan kezdődött a darts iránt érdeklődés, Adanno? Baráti társaság játszotta ezt a játékot. Én csak néző voltam, én sportoltam mellette aktívan, és ők Mondták, hogy próbáljam ki, mert tábla mellől könnyű beszélni, és kipróbáltam, ledobtam a lámpát, kinevettek, és mondtam, hogy jó, akkor megpróbálok megtanulni, dárcozni, és akkor majd meglátjuk, hogy ki lesz a jobb. És ez már tizen, ú, kimondani szörnyű, tizenhat éve. Wow. Um... There was a um, group of friends of mine uh, playing this game, and I was just, um, you know, a viewer of it. Uh, I was playing another sport actively, um, and they told me to just try it uh, because it's very easy to give instructions from outside. <laughs> so I did, and I, I was just uh, hitting uh, the lamp first, so they laughed at me. Uh, but that was the moment when I decided that I will try to learn this sport, and um, by now it has been 16 years ago. So, what what sport, you know, was was Veronica doing before she she switched to dance? Milyen sportot üsztél mielőtt dancsolni kezdtél? Kézilabdáztam nagyon nagyon sokáig atletizáltam előtte mindent amit lehetett kipróbáltam kerestem. Um, she was playing, uh, or I was playing uh, handball 
uh, for many years and I also um, tried athletics and I basically tried almost every sport uh, I could uh, because I was interested in all of them. Something I have noticed is that, Veronica, your husband, Josef, also plays darts competitively. You know, he's played for Hungary internationally before. So did you meet each other through the sport of darts? Ahogy észrevettem a férjed, Rucska József is szintén játszik, pedászjátékos versenyeken indul. Um, arra lennék kíváncsi, hogy ti egymást a dárcon keresztül ismertétek meg? Uh, igen, uh, mikor leigazolt a, a klubom, akkor uh, őt kaptam, <gül> é, nem is tudom, hogy mondjam, uh, edzőnek. Hát ő foglalkozott velem, ő segített a, a számolás megtanulásába, hogyan kell egy versenyre felkészülni, és ez így szépen lassan kialakult köztünk a privát kapcsolat is. Értem. Uh, well, yes, um, when I was just um, signing for my club, um, he was the one appointed uh, as uh, my um, trainer. So he was the one who helping me with um, the math, with all, all, you know, the practicing. And so, you know, slowly but surely we became friends and a little more. And um, this is what happened in private life. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a proper darts love story. So <laughs> you mentioned, Veronica, you mentioned that you have a son is he a massive source of motivation for you to succeed? Említetted, hogy van egy fiad, ő, ő mennyire játszik nagy szerepet a, a motivációban, tehát mennyire motivált téged a játékok versenyek során? Hű, hát nagyon aktív kisfiam van, és mellette szinte nem jut idő medzeni, ha bár párunk sokat segít. Motivációt nyújt, mert... Nagyon örül, ha viszek haza neki kupát vagy érmet, és azt, azt nagyon megszokta csodálni, és ez jó érzés. Yes, uh, he is. He is a very uh, active uh, boy. It means that uh, I, I hardly have time for practicing. At the same time, he gives me um, massive motivation, because uh, any time or every time I bring home any uh, trophy or uh, medal, He's really excited, so so that's what uh, drives me. So in 2019, Veronica and Josef played together for Hungary at the World Cup in Romania. As far as I know, they were one of the first husband and wife teams to, to ever do that. So where, Veronica, does that rank among your career highlights? Később, még ebben az évben, amikor megszületett a fiad, akkor uh, Józsi és te párosban indultatok a romániai világbajnokságon, és amennyire én tudom, ez, ez volt az első olyan, hogy férj és feleség uh, párosként uh, indult egy ilyen nagy tornán. Ez a te saját karrieredben mennyire volt nagy uh, mérföldkő? Elnézést, de én nem emlékszem erre, hogy a romániai világkupán lett volna Ilyen párosunk. Egyszer már mi kétszer játszottunk, bocsánat, már párost, párommal, akkor még nem voltunk férfeleség, és ha jól tudom, az első az, az Belgiumba volt, és nagyon jól szerepeltünk. A második pedig a Soft 
itt Európa-bajnokságon, és ott is nagyszerűen kiegészítjük egymást. Van köztünk rivalizálás, ami húzza a másik játékát, és jól kiegészíti. Um, I'm sorry to say, but I don't really recall that we had ever been in pairs at Romania at the, the World Cup. However, we have been um, as, I mean, playing as pairs, um, but that was the time when we were not uh, husband and wife. Uh, and it was two times. It was first in Belgium, um, and, it, and we earned a good place there. And also the second one was at um, the soft tip European Championship, and we were playing good there too. Uh, and that's because we have some kind of uh, rivalization or you know debate between us, and also we would like to show that we are good, and uh, that um, you know increases the level of um, our our play. When I was watching some of the the live stream that the Hungarian Federation had from the Appertin Open, I noticed that both Josef and Veronica were both playing with their sunglasses up. Was that a deliberate choice? Láttam az Appertin Open néhány élő streaming közvetítésén, hogy te is és Józsi is a játék közben napszemeget viseltek a fejetek tetején. Azt szeretném megtudni, hogy ez véletlen, hogy így alakult, vagy ez szándékos, hogy rajtatok van a napszemeg játék közben. Teljesen véletlen, hogy mind a ketten napszemüveget hordunk. Én hajpántnak használtam, és most már egy kabala. Páromnál is valami hasonló dolog van, csak őt más vonalon horgásztatból kifolyólag hordja a napszemüveget mindig magán, és ez így maradt a sportba is. Well, um, it is or it has started as um, um, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know the word for that, but it, it was not like on purpose. <laughs> it was just like uh, um, a coincidence. Um, and first, I was just using it to to you know regulate my hair. <laughs> and uh, as for as for Joseph, uh, he is um, well, what? how to call that let me just uh, help fishing. myself fishing yeah he's doing fishing and uh, he's wearing it there a lot of times and i think he just um, forgot to take it off so <laughs> it's a total coincidence <laughs> <laughs> awesome so in terms of the rest of 2021 what are your plans veronica in terms of which events are you going to be going to a 2021-et tekintve, ami még hátra van ebből az évből, mik a terveit, hol, hol láthatunk majd legközelebb játszani? Ó, Magyarország még rendez két VDF pontszerző versenyt, ott mindenképp szeretnék elindulni, és a hazai versenyeken is szeretnék szerepelni, ha munkám is úgy engedi. A férfi mezőnyben egész jól állok a ranglistán, és azt szeretném egy kicsit feljebb tornezni, hogy az első tízbe végezzek, és innentől kezdve a cél természetesen kijutni a világbajnokságra. Yes, I would like to have, uh, I would like to participate on uh, the two WPF ranking tournaments Hungary will be um, organizing this year. These are the Hungarian Open um, tournaments um 
and also I'm playing in the national uh, tournaments and uh, I when whenever my my work loves me uh, and at there I'm playing amongst men so I'm um, currently at a good place and at the ranking but my uh, final um, target is to reach or be between the first 10 men in Hungary and of course uh, at the, the end of the year my main plan is to to participate at the world championship and if we if we're dreaming big what would be for, for you Veronica what would be your ultimate goal in darts ha nagyot elmondhatnál igazán nagyot akkor mi lenne az a az a nagy cél amit szeretnél elérni a dartsban Hó, tényleg a legnagyobb álmom az, hogy egyszer a világbajnokság színpadán álljak, és ott jól szerepeljek. És, és ez most karnyújtásnyira van, úgy néz ki. Nagyon izgulok, és e, nem tudom elhinni, hogy, hogy a sok év munkája esetleg most beérik, és olyan nagy nevek ellen játszhatom és lehetek velük egy színpadon, mint Teta Hedman, Élinde Graf, Liza Eston, Suzuki, és sorolhatnám az összes ott lévő 24 hölgyet. Úgyhogy most, most még mindig az az álmom, hogy oda kiussak és, és velük szerepelhessek. My biggest dream ever is still to play at the World Champions and play well um, and I believe it's really close to I'm, I'm really close to reach that and I'm very exciting excited to, to do that um, really I can't believe it yet that it can happen and of course it would be really really good to play against uh, the biggest uh, players like uh, Dita, Aileen, Lisa, Suzuki or actually all, all of the 24 women uh, playing there so Yes, this is still my dream. Lovely. Well, fingers crossed we will see you there in January. Nagyon szorik neked, hogy januárban ott szurkolhassunk. Nagyon szépen köszönöm. Thank you very much. Lovely. So, thank you very much for your translation work, Eniko. Fantastic. I really do appreciate it. I have a few questions for you, if that's okay. Yeah, no problem, and thank you. So Hungary sent quite a large contingent of players to the Appleton Open. I saw the pictures of your minibuses taking the team over. Does arranging things like that fall into your remit within the National Federation? And sort of how would you assess sort of Team Hungary's performance in Serbia? Uh, yes, you could see um, the minibuses we used, but also we... Um, we used um, actually we used two minibuses and um, several number of uh, cars because we, if I remember well, we had uh, 35 people all together from Hungary in Apatin, and um, even if it's not my personal um, task to to arrange, um, you know, traveling. I have uh, some part in it. Um, I was also helping with the accommodation, but mainly it is uh, a teamwork of uh, the Hungarian Darts Federation board members and, of course, the supporters uh, the players uh, have. And um, as it always is, I mean, whenever we Hungarian travel to another country, we usually just talk to each other together. Um, as for um, the results, um, 
course, I'm very happy to see that <laughs> all the youth are have pay, played very well. Also, not to mention Veronica's um, trophy, which is really um, something she deserved. And also, I think uh, our men players um, have performed very well, um, and only just a few uh, could be better than, than ours. From my perspective, at least, Dart seems to be really growing you know, in Hungary at the moment. What do you think have been the biggest factors influencing that growth of the sport? Good question. <laughs> I think it. I think our hard work uh, of the last couple of years uh, is just paying, starting to paying back, because we did um, lots of campaigns uh, locally in Hungary, and we are trying to organize uh, good quality events as well. And we have already. Um, had the opportunity to to show darts uh, and even local darts uh, on local sport TV station stations as well. Not just one, but uh, actually I think two, three of them is airing some uh, dart um, programming. So I think uh, that's one part, and the other part is that uh, you know the team who works uh, for the federation does uh, all all of uh, its best. And I noticed that Veronica and Josef were both on a on the Magyar Darts podcast. How did that start, and and do you think that sort of helped everything else you've done to boost the profile of Hungarian players? Yeah, that's a good pro. I mean, a, a new project we are just establish uh, these days, and the the reason behind is that uh, this year uh, the Hungarian Darts Federation became thirty years old. So the idea behind uh, the podcast um, is to to show current and um, fellow uh, people, players, um, uh, federation officials, um, I don't know, figures who had a big role in in the sport of darts in Hungary and show them to, to those who just started to play now or just playing for a few years and to see what we had in the past, what we have currently and what we could uh, achieve in the future. So basically it's a sequel. We, we would like to we would like to continue this year and of course we would like to gain the attention of new players as well. Yeah, it, lo- it looks like a great, great project. So, Thank you. <laughs> For for you as a, a national official, what have you made of the World Darts Federation's sort of change to the major qualification criteria? So more players and more sort of regional representation. So what have you made of that, and what would it mean to have, you know, more Hungarians playing on a major stage? To see Hungarian players uh, playing even in Hungary or in any international tournament is always the best part of uh, my work. I do this for, I don't know, 15 years and, and it, it's always the best part to cheer for somebody who is from from our, I mean, my nation. And to be honest, I'm really delighted to see that uh, WDF is, uh, you know, improving this and uh, giving us more and more opportunity. And of course, we would like to use that and, uh, you know, see our players uh, there. Of course. Well, thank you both so much for your time this morning. I really do appreciate it. This is a 
a first for the show having a, a you know an interpreter a translator on the show as well so thank you very much to both of you and i wish you both the best of luck for the rest of the year thank you so much for your time and for uh, asking us to do this and uh, i think we, i can say it uh, in the name of veronica as well that we really enjoyed it Thank you so much to Veronica and Eniko for their time and their help. I thought that really worked and fingers crossed we'll be having some more interviews like that during the year as I try and reach my goal of interviewing as many WDF ranking winners as possible. Talking to Veronica also, as you'll have heard, took my tally of players that I've told they qualified for the World Masters to four for this year and we'll see how high that gets by the time we're all said and done. Thank you also to Stu for his time for this week's show and thank you to you for listening if you've got this far. My review of July's WDF action is now live on the WDF website so have a read of that to catch up on things. And I've also done a Q&A with New Zealand's Nicole Regno who won the Shot New Zealand Masters back in June. That's up on the Women's World Dance website so you can have a read of that as well. Uh, I imagine Nicole will be in action later this week on Wednesday actually at the next WDF ranked event of the year which is the silver graded Puma New Zealand Open in Motueka. That has the potential to really shake up things in a regional ranking tables and the main ranking table with more silver points on offer. And then after that there's a double there's a, an event in Russia towards the end of the month uh, but by and large August is a pretty quiet month. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page, Inside the WDF. You can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you once again and I'll see you next time.